This podcast is a production of Faith Living Church. If you like what you hear, join us for church sometime in our Plantsville, Connecticut location, Saturdays, 6 p.m. or Sundays, 9 and 11 a.m. or online anytime at faithlivingchurch.com. We started last week talking about just say yes to Jesus. And I'd like to continue along that line. Just say yes to Jesus. This is really kind of part two. And to the life that he wants for you. You know, he has a a lifestyle that he wants for you. He has it all really clearly laid out in his word. What he has in store. And it's an abundant life. It's a transforming life. It's a powerful life of what God has in store for you. Um, so I'd like us to uh, start here in Romans chapter 7 verse 19 I decide to do good but I don't really do it hmm have you ever decided you're going to do good but you didn't end up following through with it Yes. have you ever decided you can go to the gym and get in better shape or you decide you're going to become part of some you know uh, healthy eating thing and you're going to learn how to do that or you're going to have you ever decided that you're going to do something, but you didn't follow through with it? Mm-hmm. You know, we, we need some power. We need some power to help us fulfill what it is that we have decided we're going to do. So he says, I decided to do, do good, but, but I don't, I don't really, really do it. <laughs> and this is where we need that power to help us. I decide not to do bad, but then I do it anyway. My decisions, such as they are, don't result in actions. So you decide on something, but you, you don't, you know, A-C-T-I-O-N, you don't take action on it. And it says here in the book of James, chapter 1, verse 22, it says, but don't just listen to God's word. You must do, you, you must, you, you must do what it says. And we need God's power to do what it says. Not just to listen to it, but don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourselves. We we must be doers of the word. The scripture tells us not hearers only, deceiving our own selves. And then in Romans chapter 7, verse, uh, let's continue on in verse 19. <clears throat> Something has gone wrong. Well, maybe that's first. Let me see. I forgot what yeah. I wrote that down. 20. Okay. Something has gone wrong deep within mm. me and gets the better of me every time. That old sinful nature, it battles against us. What did he say? Something's gone wrong deep on the inside of me. I don't know if you can identify that or not. And it gets the better of me every time time. It happens so regularly that it's predictable. The moment I decide to do good, sin is there to trip me up. You ever been there? Has sin ever tripped you up? That's what he's talking about right here. You know, it says it happens so regularly that it's predictable. The moment I decide to do good, sin is there to trip me up. I I truly delight in God's commands. And you know what it says in the scripture? He says, delight yourself in the Lord. And that would be in his commands as well. Delight yourself in the Lord and he'll grant you the desires of your heart. You know, 
He's the only one who can give us the power we need to get things done. I truly delight in God's commands. But it's pretty obvious that not all of me joins in that delight. Hmm. But I want to be, you know, my little bracelets here. I want to be all in. I want to be all in. I really do. And we start our every day, every morning, we lift our hands to God before we even get out of the bed. And we lift our hands to him and say, I'm all in for Jesus today. And then we pray for, for you guys and, and all. Um, and it's amazing what God is wanting to do in you and, and in me and in, in us. But he says here. But it's pretty obvious that not all of me joins in that delight. <laughs> Parts of me covertly rebel. Covertly rebel. Do you ever covertly rebel against God's will for your life? You just rebel about, well, I'm going to do this instead. I'm going to do it this way instead. And just when I least expect it, they take charge. That sinful nature begins to take charge. I've tried everything and nothing helps. Have you ever tried some self-help books? Mm -hmm. Oh, here's some books that tells you how to do the very thing I'm struggling with, how to do this and how to do this and how not to do this and how not to do that. Self-help books give you the information what you should do. Just don't give you the power to do it. And, and I'm not against learning and getting the knowledge of what we should do, but I'm more involved with let's access the power that will enable us you know, to, to do what we should do. I've tried everything and nothing helps. I'm at the end of my rope. At the end of my... I actually had a rope here somewhere. Is it in here? Mm, we may find it yet. <laughs> okay. So I'm at the end of my rope. I'm at the end of my rope. Is there no one who can, who can do anything for me? Is there anybody here, you know, in your life who can help? Is there somebody who can help? Isn't that the real question? The answer, thank God, is that Christ, Jesus Christ can and does. He acted to set things right in this life of contradictions where I want to serve God with all my heart and mind, but I'm pulled by the influence of sin to do something totally different. Hmm. And I think we've all felt that tug. We felt that pull to, to disobey God. And not to do what he wants us to do. We, we've all felt that tug, you know, and, and we all crave that power that he enables us to do what it is that we want to do and should do. Romans chapter 8, verse 1, going on to the next chapter. So now there is no condemnation. There's no condemnation. There's no guilt. There's no shame. He says there is no condemnation. For those who belong to Christ Jesus. For those who are in relationship, close, intimate relationship with Christ Jesus, there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus, those who have just said yes to, to Jesus, you know. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit, that's on my Holy Spirit, has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. The power of that life-given spirit is stronger 
than that power of sin that leads us to death. How many of you here ever flown in a helicopter? A few people. Wow. How many ever flown in an airplane? What about a helium balloon? Hey, I'm just trying to see, you know. <laughs> Think about this for a moment, you know. Are y'all familiar with gravity? Yeah. Has gravity ever gotten a hold of you? <laughs> you know, I, I, I ended up with two broken arms because of gravity. I was swinging out of a tree on a rope, and as I was swinging out, and it was going down a hill, so it was getting higher and higher and higher and higher, and somehow I slipped off of the rope, and gravity took hold. I ended up in the hospital, you know, with broken arms, and um, I mean, it was pretty serious. I mean, the best thing I got out of that is I had to take all my exams that year audibly. And the teacher would go, are you sure that's the right answer? I go, no, I'm not really sure that's the right answer. <laughs> so I probably passed the ninth grade because I had two broken arms when I was doing my exams and all. You know, and I had two other broken arms before that. So anyhow, gravity can get a hold of you. You know what I'm talking about? And, and gravity is, is a pretty powerful thing. It genuinely is. So imagine gravity is controlling you. And always pulling you down. Always pulling you down. That's just like the law of sin. And death. Always pulling you down. Always pulling you down. But there's this other law. We'll call it the law of lift. That with an airplane or a helicopter or even in a helium balloon. But you go over there and you get in that airplane. And gravity is still working as you're stepping into the airplane. But that airplane breaks free of the law of gravity and it takes you up to thousands of feet and it flies you thousands of miles somewhere you know there's a greater power with that lift than there is with gravity but now while you're flying along an airplane please don't try this okay but if you were to step outside of the airplane guess what happens gravity gravity is still there waiting for you <laughs> you know there you go you know but this is what this is talking about. So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to him and because you're in Jesus, it's like being in a plane. And because you belong to him or you're in Jesus, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. Like the, the, the airplane frees you from the law of gravity. You know, and, and, and there is power that God has made available to every believer, every follower of Christ. The law of Moses was. Un and that's in verse three. Verse three. The law of Moses was unable to save us because the weakness of our sinful nature. So God did what the law could not do. He freed us from the law of sin and death. He sent his own son in a body like the bodies that we sinners have. And Jesus had a body just like ours, except ours had sin in it. Jesus had never sinned, not even one time, but a human body. And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us. God declared an end to sin's control over us. God did that. He declared that sin, you will not continue control 
my sons and my daughters. He says, and in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for our, our sins. And when we've come to him and we just say yes to Jesus and we surrender all that we are to him, what a transformation it genuinely makes in us. That's really huge, though. That it sin's is huge. control comes to an end. Sin's control. And, and you know what it's like when sin has controlled you, don't you? Mm-hmm. Yes. They may be giving into that sin right now and not answering us. But we do know what it's like. Mm -hmm. The devil tempts us, does he not? And you give in to that and then you feel guilty about it. And he tells us there's no condemnation to those who are in a relationship. It's right relationship with Jesus. So when you're in him, it's like being in a plane. And and Jesus sets us free from the law of sin and death. Same way the law of lift in an airplane sets us free from the law of gravity, you know. And when we sin, we simply have to come to him and ask him to forgive us. But as we talked about last week, just because that forgiveness is there and his grace is there, that doesn't give us a license to sin. No, it does not. He did this so that the just requirement of the law would be fully satisfied for us, who no longer follow our sinful nature, but instead follow the Spirit. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. What are you thinking about? And what is the television and the internet and all kinds of... What what do they inspire you to think about? Does the devil try to inspire you to think about evil things? Surely he does, sinful things. And it says here, those who are dominated... By the sinful nature, so you can tell if you're dominated by a sinful nature, you know, they think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit, they think about things that please the Spirit. So what are we thinking about all the time? So letting your sinful nature control your mind, and and that is a choice. You'll choose what you're going to think about. He says, so letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. But letting the spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. And, and, you know, that's the way to go. It it leads us to great blessings in our relationship with Christ. For the sinful nature is always hostile to God. Now, what percentage is always? 100%. So if there's a sinful nature inside of you, it is 100% hostile to God and what God's will for your life is. For the sinful nature is always hostile to God. It never did obey God's laws. Never. And it never will. And it never did and never will. The sinful nature wants this kind of hold of you just like gravity. Gravity, when you fall, whether it's on ice or a rock or sand or coming down the steps, what's going to happen when you stumble. You fall. Always. That's what, that's what gravity does. Pulls you down. And that's what we're talking about here. For the sinful nature is always hostile to God. It never did obey God's laws and it never, never will. will. That's why those who are still under the control of their sinful nature 
can never please God. If we're still under the control of our sinful nature, we will never, we will never please God. Zechariah chapter 4 verse 6 says, Not by power, I'm sorry, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. Says the, the Lord of heaven's armies, the, the Lord of heaven's warriors. He says, it's not by might, nor by power, but it's by my spirit. It's by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. And see, man's weakness is no hindrance to God. Your weakness is no hindrance to God. And to be honest with you, nor is man's strength an aid to God. Because you're strong in a particular area, that's not really going to help God out. I mean, if I'm not mistaken, God really especially knows how to use the weak. Mm-hmm. Isn't that right? Yes. And he can use us greatly. It says here in 2 Corinthians 12, 9, it says, He, talking about Jesus, he said, My grace, and most of you who studied the Bible for enough time, understood that the word grace, it meant favor. But as you study and find a more biblical definition for the word grace, it means God's enabling power. We're saved by grace, by God's enabling power, you know. He said, my grace is all you need. What percentage is all? 100%. 100%. The grace of God is his enabling power. He said, my grace is all you need. Need my grace, my enabling power is all you need. My power, it works best in weakness. Weakness. So now, Paul says, so now I am glad to boast about my about weaknesses. You ever boast about your weaknesses? Sometimes we like to put the best apples on the top of the barrel, don't we? You know. But he says, so now I am glad to boast of how my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. With that weakness and that humility that we're honest about, his power can work through you. That's what he's saying here. And then in Romans chapter 8 verse 9. But you are not controlled by your sinful nature. You are not controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled by the spirit. You if are controlled you. by the Spirit if you have the Spirit of God living in you. And remember... Think, think about that. It says if you have the Spirit living in you, you're controlled by the Spirit. And, and you'll, you'll have good thoughts. You know, if the sinful nature is really controlling us, we're just going to think about sinful things all the time. So do you, do, do you have the Spirit <coughs> living and controlling you? You are, he says, you are controlled by the Spirit if you have the Spirit of God living in you. And remember that those who do not have the Spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to him at all. The Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit that that Jesus has sent to fill us up. He says, if he's not living in us, we don't belong to him at all. Verse 10. And Christ lives within you. Christ lives within you. So even though your body will die because of sin, the Spirit gives you life because you have been made right with God. The Spirit of God, 
who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by the same spirit living within you. (laughs) See, I've made a decision. I I made a decision to say yes to Jesus. Have you made such a decision? Yes. Mm -hmm. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. Though none go with me, still I will follow. Though none go with me, Still I will follow, though none go with me, still I will follow. No turning back, no turning back. Take the whole world, but give me Jesus. Take the whole world, but give me Jesus. Take the whole world, but give me Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. <clears throat> now I'm going to read you some out of Ephesians. You know what? This has the potential of offending some people. We should probably not read that verse. No, it's there. We got it here. I should read it or I should just forget about it. All I need is one of you asked me to read it, and I, I got that. <clears throat> this is found in the Phillips translation. And it says in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18, it says, Don't get your stimulus from wine. For there is always the danger of excessive drinking. But let the Spirit, Holy Spirit, powerful Spirit, but let the Spirit stimulate your souls and learn to live under the influence of Holy Spirit. And you've probably seen people who lived under the influence of something else and it wasn't good. But he says here, for there's always a danger of excessive drinking, but let the Spirit stimulate your souls, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves and making music to the Lord in your heart, you know. And the scripture really tells us to be ye being filled. You know why it says be ye being filled with Holy Spirit? Because we leak. So we just got to keep being filled because we leak, you know. And uh, Holy Spirit is often referred to as that Russian mighty wind, He's referred to the wind, and if you can imagine, if you have a sailboat, and you hoist up your sails, and you catch the wind, there's the power that you've needed in your life. You need the power, and and the the wind, it catches the sails, and it pushes you, and and, and drives you where you were created to go, and created to, to be, you know? And the wind is hitting the sail, and it's pushing you forward, and then it, the wind, after it hits it, it slides off the sail. 
But there's more wind always there. Always keeping your sails full. Continue being filled with Holy Spirit and the wind of Almighty God that empowers us to do what he created us to do. In Romans chapter 8, verse 12. Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. You are not obligated. You may be obligated to drive at a certain speed limit, but you are not obligated to do what that sinful nature urges you to do. It urges you to do something to disobey the Almighty God, but you are not obligated, and you have the power to overcome that temptation. Holy Spirit gives that to us, and the Scripture says, and this is the way you resist the devil, it says, submit yourself unto God. Submit yourself unto him. Then resist the devil and he'll flee. You can't just resist the devil. You've got to submit yourself unto God first. You know, stay really close in tune with him and then you can resist the devil and he will flee from us. For if you live by its dictates... The if sin- you live by the sinful nature's dictates, you know... If you live by its dictates, you will die. But if through the power of the Spirit you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live. live. Verse 14 goes on to say, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. You're led by the Spirit of God, you're children of God. And and we've been reading here out of the New Living. I'm going to read out of the message. I really like the message here. Pick it up in verse 15. Can I read that one? Yeah. Okay. All right, it says, This resurrection life, and the resurrection is awesome. It's wonderful. That resurrection power that Jesus had that rose him from the dead, that resurrection life is available to you and to me. It says, This resurrection life you receive from God is not a timid, grave, tending life. It's adventurously expectant. You know, greeting God with a childlike, what's next, Papa? God's spirit touches our spirits and confirms that we really are uh, who we really are and, and we know who he is and we know who we are, father and children. You know, but it says this resurrection life that we've received from God is not a timid grave tending life and, and not to offend anybody but we just got to stick with what God's word says <clears throat> you know if some people you, you, you know when I see a cross you, you know what it reminds me of the resurrection of Jesus he died paid for my sins and the Bible says on the third day he rose from the dead he rose from the dead Three days later. But a lot of people, when they see a cross, all they see is a dead person hanging on it. It does not motivate us to victory. When we just see a very lifeless, morbid figure hanging there, and he surely ain't there. He has risen from the dead, and he wants you and me to access that resurrection power. That's what he wants us to do. Let me see, where was I at here? 
Okay, I'm going to start at verse 15 again. This resurrection life that you receive from God is not a timid, grave-tending life. It's adventurously expected. Man, adventurously expected. That's my kind of words there. Adventurously expectant, you know? Greeting God with a childlike, what's next, Papa? And, and we do that quite so oftentimes when we go up on the mountain and we're praying. And we have taken some little folding chairs up there before or sitting on the edge of a rock. And just like, what's next, Papa? What's next, Papa? God, oh, what do you have in store for us next? Why are we here today and this week and, and this one? What's next? Well, what do you have in store for us? It's a dynamic, it's an exciting thing. You know, God's spirit touches our spirit and confirms who we really are. We know who he is and we know who we are, father and children. And we know we are going to get what's coming to us. He, he said in his word, we know we're going to get what's coming. You're going to get what's coming to you. An unbelievable inheritance, which includes heaven. You know, where there are millions of people who've already passed go. They've already collected their $200. They're walking on them streets of gold, you know. An inheritance, an unbelievable inheritance. We go through exactly what Christ goes through. If we go through the hard times, the troubles and the persecutions that Christ went through, if we go through those things with him, then we're certainly going to go through the good times with him. That's what he's telling us here. And then in Galatians chapter 2 verse 20, my old self has been crucified with Christ. My old self, my, my old sinful self, my old sinful nature has been what? Crucified. Y'all understand crucified, right? Crucified has something to do with the cross. You know, our old sinful nature has been put to death, has been crucified, is, is what it's talking about here. My old self has been crucified, nailed to the cross, with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. It's not just me then, but Christ lives in me. Christ lives in you. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Let's read this. That was out of the New Living Translation. Let's read this out of the message. Christ's life showed me how and enabled me to do it. Christ's life showed me how. And enabled, empowered me to do it. Not a self-help book to tell me what I should do, but he empowered me. Christ's life showed me how and enabled me to do it. I identified myself completely with him. Indeed, I have been crucified with Christ. Now, we know that Jesus was crucified, right? Right. Galatians 3.20 says, I was crucified with Christ. I have been crucified with Christ. My ego is no longer central. My, my ego is no longer in control. Is your ego ever trying to take control of you? Yes. It does. It is no longer important. Listen to this. It is no longer important that I appear righteous. I want everybody to see how righteous I am. You know. Ooh. I want everybody. I want, I want to appear righteous. You know. That's what he's talking about. He says. It is no longer important that I appear righteous. Before you. Or. Before you or have your good opinion. It's, it's not important 
to have a good opinion that you have a good opinion of me. That's not important anymore. Because lots of times we're trying to get people to have a good opinion about us, but it might not even be true. You know what I'm saying? And I am no longer driven to impress God. Do we just try to impress God? Are we just trying to impress God? Is, is that what it's all about? See, that's not truth. And he says, I am no longer driven to impress God. Christ lives in me. And I'm satisfied what he's talking about. And he lives in you. And does Jesus make a difference in your life? Can you tell that there's a difference being made in your life right now? Can you? Yes. And that's what he says here in, in uh because you become a new creature in Christ. That's what he says. But in John chapter 10, verse 6, it the, says... Those who have Jesus use this illustration. I'm sorry. Those who heard Jesus use this illustration didn't understand what he meant. So he explained it to them. I tell you the truth. I am the gate I'm for the I'm the gate. Sheep. I'm the door. That's what he's saying. I'm the gate. All who came before me were thieves and robbers. And those guys were sheep rustlers. You've heard of cattle rustlers? You know, what he's talking about here, all those who came before me were thieves and robbers. They were sheep rustlers, but the true sheep did not listen to them. Yes, I am the gate. Those who come in through me will be saved. They will, go, they will come and go freely and will find good pastures. Verse 10. The thief's purpose. The thief, and that's some of the devil. The thief's purpose is, is to steal, steal, kill, and destroy. And then Jesus says, My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. Other translation says an abundant life, a life of all of its fullness, is what he's talking about, you know, because we've made a decision, you know, to follow him. No turning back. No turning back. Let's pick up here on. on uh, Verse 20. This is the Message Bible. The life you see me living is not mine, but it is lived by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I am not going to go back on that. Hmm. How many of y'all have electricity in your home? That's a good thing, is it not? Yes. There's power to do some things that you couldn't do without it. You know, uh, right here... You know, this bulb is, let's just say, this bulb is you. And we've got the electricity connected here. And not only can it shine, it can produce heat there. It can, uh, you know, heat uh, a heater. It can use all the electric appliances you have in your home. There's power in electricity. You're the bulb. But what does a bulb do without electricity? Nothing. It don't do much of nothing, really, does it? No. Goes dark. But when electricity is filling that bulb up, it's light, and there's power. Whatever appliance you have it plugged into, there's power to accomplish what that thing was created to do, you know. In the Message Bible, verse 21a, it says... And this is still... This is Galatians 5, 21. It is... No, 2, 21, sorry. It is not clear to you... 
Is it not clear, it not to, clear you? to you that to go back to that old rule keeping, peer pleasing religion? Y'all want to just go back to religion? No. Well, I just got these rules, and I got to do this, and I got to do that, and I got to do this, and I got to do that, and I got to do this, and I got to do that, and then I'm right with God. Yeah, that's that's what he said. What what he says. Is it not clear to you that to go back to that old rule keeping, rule keeping, peer pleasing religion? Just gotta please all my peers. I gotta do all the rules, dot all the I's, cross all the T's. It said it would be an abandonment of everything personal and free in my relationship with God. I refuse to go back. I refuse to do that. To repudiate, which means to to renounce or to reject or or, or, or to deny. I refuse to deny God's grace. And God's grace, grace is his enabling power. What we started with and we're talking about Holy Spirit empowers you in awesome ways. And a living relationship with God could come if if a living relationship with God could come by keeping rules. But by rule keeping, then Christ died unnecessarily. Did Jesus die unnecessarily? No. We need a Savior. We just couldn't do all what the religious people were doing. It's just keeping all the rules. You know? We just couldn't do that. He paid for it all. Romans chapter 8, verse 14. God's spirit beckons. There are things to do and places to go. And let's get on with it. Let's do those things. And let's go where he wants us to go. God is on the move right now in this nation. I don't know if you know that. And in this world. There, there is uh, some wonderful moves of almighty God in people's lives all across our nation and our world. To be honest with you. And there's a, uh, a movie that's out. came out on Friday. And it was called The Jesus Revolution. I don't know if you saw that or not. But that was a, the, a bunch of hippies. You know, that was in the, the 70s. Mm-hmm. That's when Susan and I got saved. You know, I was one of them Jesus freaks. You know, I'm still a little freaky, ain't I? You know, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm nuts for Jesus, but I'm attached to the right bolt. And that's that's Jesus, you know. And uh, you think about this Jesus revolution where hippies and they they were searching for the right thing. They were searching for truth, but they were searching in all the wrong places. But God got a hold of them and they changed our world. They genuinely did. They changed our world because they were searching for the truth. And they didn't just want religion and, and rules and, and regulations and things like that. So it's a good movie. If you want to see a little bit about our times, you know, uh, where, where should they find that movie at? I think in most theaters it's, it's there. I know it's set in Plainville. There's one in Torrington. But yeah, Jesus Revolution. It's an awesome movie. So Romans eight fourteen says God's spirit beckons. He's beckoning us. He's calling us. And there are things to do that God wants us to do and places to go. Well, one night a wife found her husband standing over their infant's crib. And she watched him looking down at their first, their very first baby. And she saw on his face a mixture of emotions, disbelief and doubt, delight, amazement, enchantment, and, and skepticism. 
touched by this unusual display and the deep emotion it aroused, with eyes glistening, she slipped her arm around her husband and said, a penny for your thoughts. It's amazing, he replied. I just can't see how anybody can make a crib like that for $46.50. (laughs) People often focus on the wrong thing. Does that make sense? They're focusing on the wrong thing. You know, our focus needs to be on Jesus and Holy Spirit. and, and, And our focus needs to be right here. And he gives us all the truth and it sets us free. That's just the truth of it, you know. And the Holy Spirit makes a a difference in our lives. That's what he wants to do. The Spirit-filled, you know, life, it is available to us. Now, you know, we don't really have time to go into all of that now. But we have been filled with the Spirit of God for since we're teenagers, you know. Almost 50 years now. We're getting old, aren't we? Wow, and you're still smiling. You know, that's awesome. It really is. But Holy Spirit, he empowers us. And you read the Bible, and you read what Paul says, and he, he, he advocates that we have this power in our life. And he'll tell us why in just a moment here. But you know something? I don't know if you ever heard of it. He said, these signs shall follow those who believe. They'll lay hands on the sick, the sick will recover. They will speak in tongues. That's what he says. And that's really a prayer language. It's the most powerful, effective way to pray. The Bible tells us in Jude, it builds up your most holy faith when you begin to pray in the Holy Spirit. And, and that's a choice that you have. Some denominations don't believe in that. You know, some do. But I happen to believe everything that is here in this Bible. You know, I really genuinely do. So it's important that we access the power of Almighty God the way he wants us to. But listen to what he says here. In Acts chapter 1, verse 4. Once when he was eating with them, he commanded them. And this is Jesus. He was eating with his disciples. And he commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised, as I told you before. And he was talking about what? The Holy Spirit. He was saying, don't leave until you receive the gift. Jesus said, the Father has promised to give you this gift, as I told you before. John baptized with water, but in just a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And you'll find it over and over again. When you're baptized with the Holy Spirit, you're also baptized with power, because power comes with Holy Spirit. So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him. And they were focusing on the wrong thing. They were looking... At, at the $46.50 cradle, you know, crib that was there. And they kept focusing on the wrong thing. They kept asking, you know, has the time come for, for you to free Israel and to restore our kingdom? Are you setting up your kingdom here on earth right now, Jesus? And they just kept focusing on the wrong thing. And he was saying, go, you know, preach the gospel to everybody. And he said to go and heal the sick and cleanse the lepers and raise the dead and cast out devils. That's what Jesus told all of his disciples to do. Anyhow, he picks up here in verse 7. He replied, the Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times, and they are not for you to know. But! but it says but. It does. <laughs> but you will receive, what's that saying? Power. Power. 
That's what Jesus is talking about. He says, but you shall receive power when Holy Spirit comes upon you. He didn't say you're going to receive power before that. But he said, you will receive power when Holy Spirit comes upon you. And listen to what he says here in um, Philippians chapter 2, verse 13. For God is working in you. God is, is working in you. And God is working in, in you. And God is working in you. And God is working in you. And God is working in you. And you. And you. And you. You pointing your finger at me? God's working in me too. He absolutely is. For God is working in you. Giving you the desire. But that ain't enough. And the power. To do what pleases him. Like the electricity. You know, you need the electricity. You're the bulb. And you need the electricity to flow to you. To let the light shine. And to have the power to do whatever you're created to do. That's what we're talking about. And then he goes on to say in Ephesians 3, verse 20. In the message, he says, God can do, what's that word? Anything. Now, what percentage is anything? 100. 100%. Are you, are you wrestling with something in your life right now? Well, God can do anything, you know. Do you know that? Yes. He says in Ephesians 3.20, God can do anything, you know, far more than you could ever imagine. Far more than you could ever imagine or guess or request in your wildest dreams. He can do far more than that. He does it not by pushing us around, but by working with in us, his spirit, his spirit deeply and gently within us. And I have my flashlight in my notebook over here, but I'm not going to bother you that right now. But when that battery is working deeply inside that flashlight, there's power there. And when the Holy Spirit is allowed to work within us and we humble ourselves, you know, and we want Holy Spirit to work within us. And, and Holy Spirit just honors Jesus. He honors the Father, and that's what it's talking about. He does it not by pushing us around, but by working within us his spirit deeply and gently within us. And I'll tell you, there again, when Holy Spirit comes in, even when you're praying, you're praying powerful prayers, prayers that get answered. Anyhow. Going back to Acts chapter 1, verse 8, where it says we shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on us, and you will be my witnesses. And this is Jesus talking about. Mm -hmm. And he said you're going to receive power, and you're going to receive power to be my witnesses. Now, some people think, you know, the evidence of the Holy Spirit is, is, is like tongues. That's what lots of people think. But really the evidence of the Holy Spirit in our, in our life is that we're witnesses for Jesus. And we're witnesses with power. That's what he's talking about. And you will be my witnesses telling people about me. Everywhere. And what percentage is that? 100%. 100% of the places on this planet. Telling people about me. Jesus is talking everywhere. In Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria and Samaria. And to the ends of the earth, we have been empowered to be a witness to the ends of the earth to talk about Jesus. 
John chapter 7, verse 38 in the, in the Message Bible says, Rivers of living water will brim and spill, spill out, out of the depths of anyone who believes in me this way. Just as the scripture says, he said this in regard to the spirit whom those who believed in him were about to receive. And when the spirit fills us up, we overflow, we brim over in rivers of living water, powerful water, water that can turn the turbines in a dam, you know, water that has got tremendous power. He says that's going to happen to us is what he's talking about. And then in Galatians chapter 5 verse 16, it says, so I say that the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Well, I like to kind of guide my own life, right? Don't, don't you like to just guide your own life? It makes a mess when we do that. It really does make a mess when we guide our own lives. He says here, so I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. And these two forces are constantly fighting each other. There's this battle going on inside of us all the time between Holy Spirit and our sinful nature. But in 1 John 4, 4, it says, The Spirit who lives in you is greater than the Spirit who lives in this world. That's that sinful nature. The, the, the Spirit who lives in us is greater, more powerful than that sinful nature of this, in this world. And then listen to, to verse 19. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature. When you follow the desires. And this is talking to us all here. It says when you follow the desires of your sinful nature. The results are very clear. The, the, the consequences of following your sinful nature is very clear. Here's one of them. Sexual immorality. Impurity. Lustful pleasures. Idolatry. Sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outburst of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living... Hold on a second here. Y'all heard all those negative things, right? And he says, let me tell you again, as I have told... As I have before, that anyone. 100%. That's 100% of the people who do those things we just read about. Anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. Mm -hmm. You do not pass go. You do not make it to heaven. You don't collect your $200. You know, that's just an analogy from Monopoly. Monopoly, You know, but he says the people who live this sort of a life. And he wants you to live a sort of a life where the Holy Spirit takes over you. But he says the people who are doing all these things, the wild parties, the sin, the envy, the drunkenness, the dissension, the selfish ambition, outbursts of anger, division, jealousy, quarreling, hostility, sorcery, idolatry, lustful pleasures, impurity, sexual immorality, all those things, he says, living that sort of life, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. You mean that will keep me out of heaven? When you say yes to Jesus, 
and you let him come in and forgive you and cleanse you and fill you with Holy Spirit, that changes everything. <clears throat> okay. And but then the, that, that was the fruit of the, the flesh. flesh. That was Our the fruit old of the old sinful nature. But now here's the fruit of the Spirit, verse 22. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in your lives, our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. Verse 24. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires. Do you hear it? Those who belong to Christ Jesus, they've nailed the passions that we were just reading about Mm -hmm. and the desires of their sinful nature Mm -hmm. to his cross and crucified them there. Now, there are desires and there are passions that are not honorable to God. And, and that's what we have right here, right now. For He says, I'm crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Not I, but it's Christ who lives in me. And what I, I'm going to give you an opportunity right now to do, if you would care to do so, whatever it is that you wrestle with and you struggle with, I'm going to give you an opportunity. There's some pencils in the back of your seats there and some paper. But also, uh, I think I've got some pencil and paper. Can you take those things off of there? Some pencils and some paper right here. There's pencils and paper. Can you dump them out for me, dear? Okay. I've got more paper if I need it. But you can use the paper that's right there. And then I've got some nails. Watch out, dear. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> there, I found the end of my rope. <laughs> How about that? And usually when you get to the end of the rope, you tie a knot and try to hang on. But I'm going to tell you something. Hanging on to Jesus is so much better than tying a knot there. And then if you would like to use a hammer... And if you want to, you can take one of these pieces of paper here, and you can take a pen if you want to. If you want to be free of some of those desires, those sinful desires and appetites that tries to control our life, and you can write it down on on here. And you don't have to. You, you don't have to allow nobody to see it. It's got stickies on there. And look at there. Nobody can see that one there. You know? Or if you're using the pieces in the back of your chair, you can just fold it You can it fold over. them up if you want to, like that. And you can get yourself a hammer. And you can get yourself a nail. And you can come over here anywhere you want to on the cross. Oops, my... My microphone is about to fall off. And you can nail it in like that, or you can get serious, and you can nail it. 
until it comes out the other side, if you want to. And nobody will ever see what's on here. Susan and I will take these off, as we did last night. And we went home and we burnt them. Didn't open not a one of them. And what you can do, you can write in there in code. So if somebody's peeking at you while you're writing them down there right now, you can write it in code. And you can write letters that don't mean diddly, but you know what it represents. And you're down to the cross to be crucified. Those sinful passions that try to control your life, and you're nailed to the cross, and I was crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Not I, but it's Christ who lives in me. And uh, can we sing a song along that line? If you would come on up here, uh, brother, I, I'd really appreciate that. And it goes on to say in John sixteen thirteen, it says, But when the friend comes, the spirit of truth, he will take you by the hand and guide you into all the truth. And Holy Spirit, he wants to set us free. He wants us to be free from the, the control of that sinful nature. And that old sinful nature that tries to keep raising his ugly old head. But if you'd like to, you can come anywhere around this you want to. You can take a, a hammer, pens, paper. You can use the papers in your seat and uh, ink pens there if you want to. But as we sing this song, we're just going to take a, a, a few moments. And if you'd like to come. When did you want to do the prayer first? Uh, uh, yeah, so I'm going to do first. Okay. But before we, we do so, so we can end shortly thereafter, we're just going to pray and reaffirm our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Or if you're here or you're watching online and you've never declared Jesus as your Lord, now's the time to do so. And I'd ask you to join me as we pray out loud together. Heavenly Father. Heavenly Father. I believe that you love me. I believe that you love me. And I believe you sent your son Jesus. I believe you sent your son Jesus. And he shed his blood. And he shed his blood. And he died. And he died. In my place. In my place. A great sacrifice. A great sacrifice. And I believe that Jesus rose from the dead. And I believe that Jesus rose from the dead. And he's knocking at the door of my heart. He's knocking at the door of my heart. And I open wide that door. I open wide. And I welcome Jesus into every area of my life. And I welcome Jesus into every area of my life. And, And I welcome the Holy Spirit that he sent. And I welcome the Holy Spirit that He sent into my life. Into my life. To empower me. To empower me. To be a witness for you. To be a witness for you. Everywhere in this whole world. Everywhere in this world. Give me power, almighty God. Give me power. That I can live according to the way you want me to live. That I can live according to the way you want me to live. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name.